1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Remember back in the fall, way back in the fall... Before the election, but after the raid, the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago, Joe Biden uh, sat down with uh, for a softballer with uh, 60 Minutes, and he was asked about the um, uh, discovery of uh, classified information at Mar-a-Lago. Of course, documents that arguably the federal government knew were there because they were involved in this back and forth between trump's lawyers but um i digress joe biden's heart hurt he he was suffering from a shocked conscience at the time you remember
2: i do
3: when you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at mar-a-lago what did you think to yourself looking at that image
4: how that could possibly happen, how anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, et cetera.
0: And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. And then a tear rolled down his eye.
2: Such breathlessness. Uh, The trauma, Dan.
0: So uh, he must have been as uh, surprised as anybody to learn yesterday that officials have confirmed a number of classified documents were found in the private office of the former vice president, now president, uh, Former fr- found in a private office uh, at his think tank, uh, the...
2: Um, the Penn-Biden Center, right, in Washington, D.C.?
0: That's right. The National Archives apparently has asked the Justice Department to open an investigation they did that back in November after these documents, some marked top secret, were found in a locked closet. Locked.
2: Locked in a small office. Yes, a locked closet. In the
0: Penn-Biden Center in Washington. Uh, and uh, oh. we also find out, the reporting is at least, uh, John Solomon over at uh, Just the News, that uh, A.G. Merrick Garland has asked a U.S. attorney in Illinois yeah, in Chicago, to oversee the investigation. And that would, of course, be John Lausch. Right. And uh, they,
2: they'd label him, by the way, as an appointee of Trump.
0: Well, well, he, which he was. Which well, he, he was. Well, he was. it's fine. Like
2: they're just trying to make it sinister.
0: Um, this was uh, uh, all hands on deck yesterday at CNN and the other uh, leftist uh, talk shows to uh, try to distinguish the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago and the need for said raid uh, with. What we have apparently, what we have learned, and apparently is true, I don't hear any pushback from the administration. It's his lawyers that self-reported to the National Archives, according to the reporting. So the effort to distinguish, and Byron Donalds, uh, Republican congressman from California, had this to say to uh, Wolf Blitzer, yeah, he still has
5: a show. I'm wondering why the vice president of the United States, had classified documents outside of the hands of the intelligence community. Listen, it's been pretty clear that presidents do have some classified documents. But the difference between a president and everybody else is the president has the ability to declassify information. The vice president has no ability to declassify information. So number one, what was he doing with classified information in his possession? Number two, why did it take six years? And I I wanna stress this for the American people. Joe Biden left the vice presidency in 2017. So it's taken six years for these documents to surface. That is incredibly concerning. And point number three, and this is the one that's most important, Everybody can go back to the Hillary Clinton email saga. We know other presidents have had classified information, but why was there a raid on Mar-a-Lago? But now this story just kind of seeps out and everybody's saying, oh, we just want to get down to the bottom of it. And everybody's giving the benefit of the doubt. A vice president of the United States or a secretary of state or anybody else should not be having classified information, period.
0: Well, um, of course, the benefit of the doubt is, oh, Joe Biden, number one, because he's not Trump. And number two, because I guess the assertion is that he didn't know he had them.
2: Oh, Oh, come on. And he was using that office in between the time when he was vice president and president. And tell tell me he didn't know he had those.
0: Because he locked
2: them in a closet that was unsecured. There was no camera on them. At least at Mar-a-Lago, they were in, in an area that there was a camera on them. 312-642-5600, Three one two so six
0: four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six DA turnkey dot pro text line. Joe Biden deserves the benefit of doubt here. This is just a a routine matter that uh, will be looked at by the Department of Justice and their designee in this case, John Lausch. And uh court, you know, so no need to make a big hullabaloo about it. It's no. not like it necessitated a raid, and of course, uh yeah the difficulties in distinguishing those things. Yeah, the, but these the,
2: were found the day before the midterm elections. Why, so, why didn't we know the information before the midterm elections? And would that have made any difference?
0: Yeah. Oh. You know. uh, so the other thing about this, like, oh, he didn't realize he was in possession of them and they self-reported once the uh, attorneys happened upon them for some reason. Yeah, I, I mean, those are a lot of questions uh, surrounding that. Well, how did they happen upon them? What? Right. What was the <laughs> need to revisit documents that were kept in his private office? And
2: What did they unlock the closet, Dan?
0: That's number one. Number mm. two, um, what was that office used for, generally speaking? a uh, number three, with respect to the classified documents, I don't know, were there any conversations that the president had with while he was out of office with uh, foreign representatives, perhaps in business dealings, I don't know, perhaps connected to his family's business dealings, where that information was valuable. Uh, And fifth, according to Joe Biden's own standard, you just heard him articulate on 60 Minutes there, you know, when he sat down back in the fall. um, How could you be so irresponsible? Oh, I didn't know they were there. Well, how could you not know that you were there? Because, of course, you, as somebody who's responsible, as compared to Trump, as somebody who's irresponsible, you would make sure that you and your people meticulously went through any documents that were being retained at your private office to make sure they comported with all applicable federal statutes, right? So the I didn't know they were there uh, excuse doesn't seem to hold much water, both in terms of his own argument vis-a-vis Trump, as well as with respect to that not being a defense to the law, that I didn't know is not a defense to... Uh, negligently failing to turn over documents that should have been turned over if indeed that's the case, which it seems to be.
2: Well, I, and you might think I'm crazy, but is a DOJ trying to knock Biden out of the 2024 presidential race like they're trying to knock Trump out? Well, or is this a tit for tat? You know, we did it to Trump now. You know, the pressure is on. People are getting onto us that we're a politicized agency. Now we need to to do something to make it look like we're not biased.
0: I uh Phil and uh, Maryville. you're on Chicago's morning answer.
4: Yeah, I think uh the, the same thing. The the Democrats are looking for information on Biden now, so he won't run for president or they'll impeach him.
0: Thanks for the call. I don't, I don't uh, impeachment is not long from way them. from <laughs> long way from that and why Democrats would want to participate in impeaching an a incumbent president of their own party sans something that they can't deny and we've seen how good they are at denials um i don't know that they i don't i don't know why they would want to take it that far it would only do damage to their brand going into 2024 but with respect to you know all of the sudden you happen upon these documents and they highlight a certain hypocrisy in this white house maybe Maybe with the suggestion that Biden is only weeks away from saying he's all in and he's a go for 24. Maybe. Possible. I mean, since the discovery wasn't, you know, dogged investigative journalists, it wasn't Project Veritas. It was his own people, right? his own attorneys. It's possible they want to sideline him or they want to, you know, you can keep up appearances that you're going to run again so that you're not a completely lame duck. But uh, don't be interfering with our processes for figuring out who we'd like to elevate to replace you in 24. Maybe there's something like that afoot. I mean, there's always uh, interests within any party that are angling for positioning when it comes to something as coveted as the presidential nomination. So that's possible. Three one two
2: six four two five six zero zero turnkey pro answer line. You can also text us at six four six three six. Type in DA. Got some text messages. Time to raid the Biden residence now? Question mark. Yeah, right. And this is a great start. Now get into Hunter's computer.
0: Well, the House Republicans are going to do that. Uh, that's for certain. But you know, the other thing about this, though, too, and we've seen this in so many, with so many illustrations or so many examples of this, even la- even the FTX thing and all the hand ringing about. Uh, the, whatever, $70 million Sam Bankman freed and his cohorts at FTX funnel to the Democrat socialists after they set up a trading platform with Ukraine last fall. I mean, just in- incredible stuff. But then, you know, you find out that uh, Kevin McCarthy's uh, super PAC was taken big money from mm, yeah. the CFO of FTX, who was given money to both sides. So, you know, if...
2: Is he going to give that back?
0: (laughs) The the, the question really becomes, you know, if you see one side doing something, are you almost assured that the other side is doing something very similar in politics these days, at least with the quality of leadership of the two parties? I mean, that's that's sort of an additional sad commentary, whether there's skullduggery afoot within Democrat ranks or not. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer.
3: Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. 30 or visit them online at signaturebank.bank. That's signaturebank.bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online signaturebank.bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Signature Bank.
1: America First with Sebastian Gorka today at 3, right before Sean Thompson at 4 on AM 560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We, we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't remark upon bad news that uh, came over the transom yesterday. No. And that is the death of Diamond of Diamond and Silk. Uh, Lynette Hardaway was her real name. But we had Diamond and Silk on the show so many times, and uh, while well, we didn't always agree with them, they were always entertaining a couple of sassy ladies and um
2: and diamond's uh, the talker diamond diamond's like the dan of dan and amy yeah lady silk was like, uh-huh she was you know her but their sisters are a year apart and uh yeah you're right they were very entertaining do you remember the time they rapped for us
6: don't be messing with our meat because you know we love to eat we grill it, fry it, shake it, and bake it and eat it with our teeth. Yum, yum. Don't forget the seasoning sauce, the hot sauce, or the barbecue sauce to top it all off. Don't mess with the cow, because you ain't down. Don't be messing. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's pretty good. <laughs> and, and I, I bought th- you
6: a T-shirt for Christmas. Remember? I that think
0: one? that was on the occasion of like uh, the Netherlands banning advertisements for meat and all these Western yeah. European countries trying to phase out or limit meat consumption by 2045 <laughs> to reduce their carbon footprint and so on and so forth. But yeah. Mm. Entertaining. And also they were uh, subject to the censorship of the big tech world. They got uh, bounced from Facebook and they came on the show to talk to us about that.
6: They gave us no rationale. Mm-hmm. The only thing they told us was that it was unsafe for the community. And my theory is, we are two women, two women of color. So how are we and our content our brand unsafe for the community? We don't sell drugs. We're not laying out in the streets. We're not no thugs. We don't belong to no gang. So how are we unsafe mm-hmm. to the community? Right. It bothers me. It's offensive. It's yes. appalling. It tanks our brand. Mm-hmm. It tanks our, our us. as as women and facebook is supposed to be an entity where they support they want equality for women well why are you censoring two women of color two black women why are you not allowing our viewers or our followers and likes to view our content because you deem it unsafe and you can't even give us an explanation as to why Uh,
0: among the tributes for diamond that came from president trump but also dr ben carson uh Writing on their Facebook page, Diamond was an incredible person who truly cared about America. I always enjoyed going on the show because she was always positive, had a smile on her face, constantly reminded people why America is so important and worth saving, and that uh, he and his wife send condolences to uh, Silk and the entire family. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, part of their uh, attraction, the, the, the attraction to them, how they sprung up in popularity, was because they were so unabashedly American, And they were just a lot of fun. Again, <laughs> whether you agreed with everything they said or not, uh, they were a lot of fun and they were passionate and they were pro-American and they were unapologetic. And that's increasingly rare.
2: And they added a you know level of uh, humor to situations. Remember the advice they gave for Thanksgiving when you have to be around that family member who doesn't like Trump?
6: I don't give a darn if they start talking about what happened last week, what he tweeted yesterday. Uh-huh. You come back with he's your president
0: he's your president yes and at first we thought they were thanksgiving with diamond and yeah
2: i mean but they were they were they were true trump supporters and they were on fox news and then they were on fox nation and um you know they they served a purpose and they loved what they did and they loved the man so
0: well we didn't from the reporting i've seen and the uh the the message that uh, Silk posted, there was no indication of what exactly happened, so we don't have a cause of death, which is why it was surprising. You know, I don't know that there was any public uh, disclosure of any illness yeah. or, or anything, but anyway, that's um, that's what happened, or that's how we found out what happened, and um, she you know, passed gonna... away
2: at her home in the state that she loved so much.
0: We're gonna have we're gonna have to have Silk back on the show uh, at some point here, just to talk a little bit more about that and what's next for Silk. But Diamond and Silk, they were a great tandem. Mm. Uh, Silk is still with us, uh, so she'll carry on Diamond's legacy. That was part of her message that she posted, and uh, uh, just a couple of fun American ladies. Yeah, Those, do you still have great. the T-shirt? I you I do have the T-shirt. Washed away I, in the hurricane. I, I always enjoyed Diamond and Silk, and uh, we hope you do, too. And I know because a lot of people texted me when the word got around um, that they did enjoy Diamond and Silk. So rest in peace, Diamond, a.k.a. Uh, AKA, well, AKA Diamond, Lynette Hardaway, her actual name. The and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: The stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer
3: is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local, family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630, and learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at signaturebank.bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, equal housing lender.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We've spent a lot of time over the last uh, few quarters talking about uh, the prospect of the U.S. economy being in recession. What about the U.S. culture? Are we in a social recession, and have we been for some time?
2: 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line, 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment.
0: Did you ever read that uh, book Bowling Alone, Robert Putnam? I did not. Um, Talked about the disintegration of uh, American community, the the social recession, I guess is another way to describe it. It was written about 20 years ago. At uh, that point when Bowling Alone was published, the uh, church membership among U.S. adults what? was at 70%. Uh, today it's at 47%. The number of adults who uh, are uh, affiliated with a church, synagogue, or mosque, 47 less than 50%. Less
2: than half the country. Wow. Uh,
0: something else that's going on, too, that we've talked a bit about, but um, there's some... Quantification of it that speaks to what's happening as well as the trend lines. The percentage of 12th graders, so that would be 18-year-olds, generally speaking, who've gotten a driver's license. In 94, that was 85%. 1994, percent of 12th graders who got a driver's license. 20 years later, 72%. Tried alcohol. Alcohol. 94 was 81% 20 years later it was
2: 66%. Gone doing
0: on other da- things. <laughs> uh gone on dates. 1994 was 83% of 12th graders. Oh
2: god, do I w- even want to know?
0: And uh, from, uh now it's really started to trend in my direction, a uh, 58% 20 late 20 uh years later. 83 Ugh. to 58 gone on dates. But they
2: don't do that. I mean, they go to prom with groups of people, they don't do anything. No, like they don't man up. I, I tell them, ask be ask her out on a date, please. Go on a date. Experience life.
0: Worked for pay. Oh Percentage boy. of twelfth graders who worked for pay in nineteen ninety four it was seventy two percent. By uh, nine by twenty sixteen, <clears throat> excuse me, twenty fourteen, it was down to fifty five percent, and the you know the trend lines uh, have not reversed in the intervening eight years i can tell you that so social recession uh extended adolescence and again there's manifestations of this that uh we've highlighted for example i mean starting uh, the obvious an obvious one is obamacare and being on your parents health insurance to age 26 that destroyed america what does that say about the likelihood that your kid is going to cut the apron strings when they're in 12th grade or shortly thereafter. Well, Unlikely. that's one of the
2: reasons why I moved out, because after I graduated at Iowa, I, you know, I didn't have health insurance, so I had to move out and find a job, and that meant moving out of state. But that's one of the reasons why I, got, uh, when I kicked myself out of the house. People stay until they're 25, 26, but you don't even have to live with your parents now. You can have your own place. You can be married and still be under your parents' insurance.
0: Yeah, all of this, um, this uh, extending adolescence. And so the question is, well, why is that happening? Is that a bad thing? And if it's a bad thing, should we talk about how to reverse it? Uh, One commentator basically suggested that the changes have begun long, and, and I largely agree with this observation, changes began long ago there were some hurdles that had to be cleared but they have been cleared and you see that in some of the generational data too and when you talk about what it means to be an American and what it means to be an American is part that you're a a member of several different uh, platoons of democracy as Burke called them right you're a member of a church You're a member of a professional organization You're a member of a social or civic Philanthropic organization You're uh, on the Part of the PTA So on and so forth Non-governmental institutions That provide the Foundation of civic life in America But that means you're proud of To be an American And you want to extend The founding principles of the country Well If you look at survey data And you start with the boomers and you go to Gen Z, what you see is a 45 degree angle straight down generation after generation in terms of those in each cohort who characterize themselves as proud to be an American. So boomers, it's over 70 percent. Gen Xers, it's 50, mid 50s. Then you dip, then you're below 50 at millennials and then you're below 20 at Gen Z. So you don't believe in the idea of America, which is fundamentally what America is, right? It's, it's a it's a it's a big idea, and that big idea is being increasingly rejected by generations as you move from boomer to present. And so it shouldn't be surprised, and not to mention it's being endorsed, the dismissal of the American idea. It's being endorsed by so much of the political. Ruling class, which necessarily includes religious, civic, philanthropic, artistic, corporate leaders. It's okay. It's okay to be a perpetual adolescent. We've got government programs for that. Uh, We've got free stuff to give you, quote unquote, free stuff to give you. We're going to protect you from uh, all of the negative consequences of the decisions you make. And any negative words that may be associated with those decisions, the safetyists, you know, we can cocoon you. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's all the better for us the more young people we cocoon. What's the attitude of the so much of the curriculum in K through 12 education and what has it been for a long time? What's the culture on college campuses? Uh, today and what has it been for a long time. Is it pro the American idea? Is it pro uh participant being a, a a participant in our representative republic through these platoons of democracy? No.
2: Oh. It's buddy benches and how are you feeling and oh, they just cater to all their emotional needs to the point where I don't think you know, boys are becoming men.
0: Um yeah, well I mean Dr. Leonard Sachs has talked about young people in crisis, different ways, the two sexes. But, yeah, it's not just limited to boys, but in some ways it's more pronounced among boys. In some ways it's more pronounced among girls. But the problem is the lethality of the culture. Um, just going back to this one commentator, uh, I cannot recall the last time I saw a major, studio release, uh, a major studio release that portrayed an evangelical Christian as a normal sympathetic hero and not as some obnoxious one-note character, or even more commonly as the obvious villain. Likewise, the movies wildly over-portray young adults as college students, and typically elite college students, as ascending the corporate ladder idiotically fast, as singles in major metropolitan destinations, and living in places that are flat unaffordable most of the time. And most importantly, the moral of every movie is that you do you, and find a way to be happy. Yeah. The solipsistic culture, mm-hmm. and so the the social recession, I, I, perhaps more than a recession, uh, and uh, a recession implies a temporary downturn. Um, this is, a, I don't know, a hurtling towards the the earth. It seems to me, um, but the and and these markers of wanting to restrain young people from adulthood. Out of uh, concern for their safety, uh, fear, general fear of the world. I mean, uh, uh, we saw that on display in you know, uh, bright pastels, didn't we, during the pandemic? But as I said before, we've talked about this, the pandemic just provided a platform for more people to see what's actually been going on for a long time. And these uh, data points that we shared underscore, underscore that. And so, you know, again, you want to delay adulthood into the late uh, twenties, thirties later. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of, frankly, we see a lot of people that uh, have careers and families that don't seem to be able to operate in the adult world. Really? Um, and are proponents of ceding their individual sovereignty and their family's future to the state. So that's a sort of – I don't know if that's a social recession as, as much as an intellectual one, but the two are linked. It's a real thing, though. It's a real thing, and it's going to fundamentally change the kind of society that, uh, well, people under 40 are going to live in in the coming decade or two. I can tell you that. <laughs>
1: stories you need to know to start your day this is chicago's morning answer on am 560 the answer this is chicago's morning answer with dan proft and amy jacobson on am 560 the answer
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So I was off uh, Friday and yesterday.
2: Yeah, how did your golf game go? Eh. Did you represent? Did you bring home the hardware?
0: And so this Inspector General report that dropped, CPS Inspector General report that dropped on Thursday of last week.
2: Yeah, we talked about it because it's infuriating that nobody cares and that no one else has picked up on this story. Not the Tribune, not the sometimes, zero, nobody.
0: Was waiting for comment from leaders in education, from political office holders starting at the city level, from mayoral candidates at the city level, from state legislators, from statewide officials, either party, both parties.
2: Pedro Martinez.
0: The people who uh, are either in charge of the school or other schools the people who hold the purse strings when it comes to this $10 billion Democrat socialist criminal enterprise known as Chicago Public Schools waiting. So I sat there and watched while I was off over the last four days. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've seen a lot of talk about uh, the latest gun ban and uh, the pageantry of uh, Jelly Belly second term. And all the free stuff that's on the docket to be given away and the census numbers and the continued uh, exodus from Illinois of people and businesses.
2: As a CPS parent, I got an email opening it thinking they're going to address this. No, it just said, make sure your son or daughter gets tested for the greater good of the community for COVID before they go back to school on Monday.
0: So this OIG report, 600 More than 600 adult-on-student misconduct allegations just for the 2021-2022 school year. More than 600. More than half of them were substantiated, so that's more than 300. Criminal charges were filed in 16 cases. Um, They include a CPS teacher who groomed and sexually assaulted a 17-year-old student on three occasions. The student said that she began to think of him as her friend and therapist and that he, I'm quoting, touched and groped the student while hugging her, touching her thighs and buttocks under the pretext of removing Lynch from her clothing. I like the way you look in your jeans, the student recounted the teacher, saying. Allegations against the teacher were in part corroborated by text messages on the CPS-sanctioned Remind app, Snapchat records, and a student witness who overheard a conversation between the teacher and the student.
2: Do you think they're not going to get caught if you're texting
0: the OIG found a CPS junior ROTC staff member had sex with a female CPS high school student over the course of a year when she was 16 to 17 years old, providing her with alcohol, asking for her to buy marijuana for him and fellow students. Hundreds of test messages and calls. I'm ready to blank right now. I'm not going to be gentle either. A CPS staff member texted to this high school girl, I'm ready to frack right now. I'm not going to be gentle either. He later, this is all quoting from the report, threatened to kill the student and her family if they disclosed the relationship to investigators.
2: Mm -hmm. What's his name and what school does he work
0: at? Hmm. A CPS vendor, other incidents, and there are many more. You should read this 120-page report. A CPS vendor asked a fourth-grade student why her lips were chapped and then stated that the student's lips were chapped because she was performing oral sex.
2: Yeah, but he said more graphic terms that we cannot use on the radio.
0: A CPS elementary school teacher who sexually touched a CPS student repeatedly over several years when he was 11 to 14 years old, purchased food and gifts for the student and members of his family, spent the night in the student's bedroom having sex with the student.
2: How does a teacher get into somebody's bedroom?
0: (sighs) So the combination of the sexual predation going on in CPS and the fraud that's being perpetrated, apparently, on Illinois taxpayers, also documented by the inspector general, where these schools are purposely recording students as truants, rather than transfers for the purpose of their average daily attendance, for the purpose of the money they get from the state. And so, and this is the audit I believe was done for the last year before the pandemic. So this is three years old, but instead of 330,000 kids in in CPS, we could have 230,000 kids that are actually attending CPS schools, maybe fewer three years removed that's billions of dollars in fraud that has been committed if the oig is onto something and it sounds like he is billions of dollars of fraud committed against illinois taxpayers in addition to this being a school system that does a woeful job of educating children so when they're not maleducating them or sexually preying on them they're disappearing them and again no one is interested in this
2: no reporters even had access to mayor lightfoot last night because you know she was there begging for pritzker to love her and give her campaign money uh and now no one even asked her about it It this is happening under her watch and nobody cares
0: the uh, one of the defenses i've heard uh this was on npr was that this is not uh, inconsistent with the data from other major urban school districts around the country. (laughs) Well, um, if that's the case, then we have a problem with a bunch of major urban school districts around the country, which comes as a surprise to absolutely no one paying attention. Honestly, I I really want to know what it will take. For all the people running around, spending all their time, making sure everyone knows particularly about how much they care about poor minority children. And you have this school system that is largely comprised of poor minority children in terms of the student body. Mm -hmm. This is happening this has been documented before by the Tribune investigative report on this from a few years ago now. That's so that brought similar numbers to light. And the response is just. Crickets. Well, the response is to deny its existence. It's not crickets. It's this 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 thing, this OIG report. It, it didn't actually happen. What you're seeing is not what is really there. If we tell you to look past something, then look past it. And that's what everybody does, despite all of the incentives. I'll repeat the same thing I said when we talked about the Tribune investigative series on some of the same topics. This is a $10 billion enterprise. You want to talk about deep pockets and think about just just people pursuing their financial interests like trial lawyers. No trial lawyer is interested in gathering up uh, plaintiffs in a class action suit against CPS when you're talking about the sexual assault of children. I mean, you, you, you know the numbers that we would be talking about in terms of a settlement, much less a judgment. All you have to do is look at what's happened to the Catholic churches. The archdiocese right. in so many communities, so many cities around the country, no, no interest there. But and if the this parents, happened
2: in a Catholic church, it would be, it'd be break, uh, yeah. breaking news. It would be in the A block of every station.
0: And the parents. And I've already talked about the elected officials. But they're this not trying happening. I, can, can I finish? Yes. I've already talked about the elected officials and because these are their constituents. And And teachers. I know we have this free rider problem in all these government agencies. It's better just to shut up, do my time, and get my pension. So we've got this free rider problem. Really? Um, teachers, administrators, because I know there are good ones in CPS. You don't want to add anything to this OIG report? You don't want to provide any color, any more context, name any names? Nothing? No one. This is how sick Chicago and Illinois are. I mean, sick. You want to understand uh, how how could this once great city and so on and so forth? Forget about corporations leaving. Look at who we are. How can you sit idly by and read these details?
2: And not call your principal of your school and say, are any of these teachers still at our school? Because they don't, as a parent, we can't find out who these people are and where they work. Which isn't that a right as a parent? I mean, why does the CTU and the union have more power and control than the parents do? And somebody it in, it's why, another-
0: why, why, why do they? I mean, come, well, we know why, spare yeah. me.
2: Well, that's uh, why parents are wh- afraid to teach, to talk wh- wh- out, uh, uh, to speak uh, out. Uh, uh,
0: they're afraid retaliation. of what?
2: Retaliation against of, their of, kids.
0: That's, all, that's, that's, all, that's, that's, that's pathetic.
2: That's not pathetic. I'm a parent. I'm telling you, I it talk to pathetic. my neighbors who have kids at CPS, and I said, why aren't you upset you about this? You can
0: yell as much as you want. Let me tell you how pathetic that is. I don't care what the rationale is. That is pathetic.
2: Well, I'm afraid
0: it. to speak up yep. about the sexual abuse of children because I'm afraid my junior is going to get a C instead of a B. Are you kidding me?
2: I'm not kidding That's you, this. Tim.
0: I know what the excuse is. Stop interrupting me. I don't need your chorus. That is the level of depravity to which this city has sunk. That is the sickness I'm talking about.
2: they even believe it in the first place, which some of them that I showed them this, they're like, no, that's not true. It's not true. We wouldn't know. Why aren't they in jail? Why don't we have their mug shots? So, well, I don't know. That's a very good question. Call Pedro Martinez's office. I've been calling. They've not responded yet. What I'll is pe- it? What are they doing?
0: Uh, 16 have been referred to for criminal charges. Yeah. So what's the status of those cases? Has anybody even asked that question? That would necessarily be the province of the Cook County Prosecutor's Office. Mm -hmm. So where's that? What about the 300 claims that the OIG says have been substantiated? What the hell is wrong with us? I mean it. There is, and I'm going to, we're going to ask, this is where we're going to start with Willie Wilson when he joins us at 7 o'clock. If you're a mayoral candidate and you don't have the, Interest, gumption, political courage—use whatever descriptors you want—to address this. Then who, who? Then who cares who wins the mayor's race? Who cares who wins any of these aldermanic races? Who cares who wins the state legislative races? Who cares who wins the governor's races and the other statewide offices? What is the point? Who cares about businesses that come and go, other than you? You know, you who work for specific businesses that are coming or going. And why should we care about you? When you don't care about your fellow man and you don't care about kids who aren't your own. I, I'm, it's okay if kids get sexually abused in schools so long as my kid gets through. Really? That's the Faustian bargain you want to make? Well, and it's also, it's another reason teachers should not be
2: questioning our kids about their sexuality, gender, pronouns. Without their parents' involvement.
0: Teachers who uh, I, you know, I don't want to, I got two years. That's the Faustian bargain you want to make? Your pension to turn a blind eye towards this kind of conduct? And And I would mean even the financial fraud. That's bad enough. These graphic examples that are pulled from the OIG's report. that give you an indication of what kind of culture exists in these schools that are not schools really anymore anyway so many of them hell half of them should be shut down and uh the the focus should be on getting engaging parents and guardians to apprise them of their options to get their kids anywhere where the number one they're going to be safe from sexual predators and number two they may have the opportunity to actually get an education that puts them on a path to somewhere other than the street. Uh, how can we make this bargain? What 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 is a legitimate excuse for this? How do you paper this over this? I mean, I believe it, but I just a city that has destroyed itself and it has nothing to do with the buildings and all the other shiny objects. and, And frankly, to some extent, I'll even agree with the left on this, that when you put kids in this kind of environment, where there is no adult protection, much less supervision, much less instruction and then you're surprised when you have 13 year olds on the streets carjacking people we're the ones who have allowed a significant portion of a generation of kids to be destroyed in the school systems we finance they're done and then they're on the streets committing crimes and then they're really done No one, prosecutors, public defenders, politicians, parents, no one is saying a fracking word. Mm-hmm. Greg in Rogers Park.
7: Happy New Year to you guys. Uh, number one. As far as the media goes with this, all they are is basically a bunch of nice looking women that read the news and make the guys look uh, and the guys be happy. Second, I was a social worker for a number of years. The OIG was pretty effective. I lost my job because I kept calling the OIG and reporting abuse. I went through the same thing here with the state of uh, with various uh, social agencies and everything. Three, it's not time we really go to work. This reminds me of what happened at Penn State. With Jerry Sandusky and everyone just kind of turned their back. I think it's time now. Whoever saw it should be held accountable. And I think we should land, land a full frontal assault and go after these son of a guns. Once and for all, it's disgusting, and it's time to stop sh- and be quiet. Thanks, Dan.
0: Thanks. You know, this is what should happen. This is, yeah, I know what should happen.
2: I mean, do the parents even know what happened to their kids? In one case, a CPS high school teacher exchanged four. Thousand text messages with a female student, including four hundred in one day. Can you imagine texting somebody four hundred times in one day? I mean, are they being left in the dark too? Uh,
0: well, they're not in the dark now, are they? Chris and Carrie.
8: Hey, good morning, guys. This is so disgusting. Well. Uh- uh, my wife was in the master's program. I won't say what college, but
4: the majority of
8: those teachers in that program were going for uh, public Chicago public school teachers, and she would come home and talk about how horrible they were. They, they even the English speakers could barely speak the English language properly. They, she just, she couldn't believe that this was a master's program. And that these teachers were being filtered through and her her theory was they're so desperate for teachers in the Chicago public schools, they'll take anybody. And this is, you know,
0: it's absolutely disgusting. I don't believe that. By the way, thanks for the call, Chris. I I, I don't believe that. Um, I believe it's purposeful. Yeah, you're te- you're taking. This is not. We're so desperate to to for people that want to go into teaching. That's not true. Uh, the salaries and benefits are per on a on a cost of living basis the best in the nation. And so it's not a pay benefits issue. It, it's it's a systemic issue. But that's in any major urban school system. That's not what's happening. What's happening is they are picking. These are like political appointees. So many of these teachers. Yeah. The education students coming out of colleges are the worst students in terms of academic performance. That's just a fact. So let's just get this some of this stuff out of the way. I'm not going to do all teachers are heroes thing. If you want to listen to that propaganda, go listen that's anybody else in Chicago wants to talk about this. But that's not real. And this this uh, we're desperate for teachers. So we have to take anybody. That's another lie. That's another cop out that people tell themselves and parents tell themselves. And uh well, while they decry this system, but they love their teacher, just like we decry Congress, but we love our congressmen pretending that one is not part of the other. That's nonsense. This system is set up purposefully. As a great man once said, it's not broken, it's fixed. It is doing exactly what it's intended to do, which is to be a third-party administrator for the salaries and benefits of the adults in the system. That's what it does. That's what CPS exists to do. That's what it does. And the, the teachers that are brought in are those that are going to fold in to Uh, the Chicago Teachers Union, to that communist organization, so they don their red shirts when it comes time to strike and when it comes time to do precinct work for the politicians of choice. That's the system. The system is predicated on financial fraud. It's predicated on self-dealing. To the extent any kids come out of there prepared for post-secondary work or the workforce— That's a happy accident. Great. We can point to some success stories and write commercials about them to show how diligent we are and how we're beating the odds with some of these kids and then ignore all the rest of it. Just sweep it away. And we have a willing public and complete civic infrastructure that's willing to help us sweep it away, as we are seeing yet again.
1: Hear about the big stories of the day. Then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. America First with Sebastian Gorka today at 3, right before Sean Thompson at 4 on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy continue to talk about uh, that Inspector General report of CPS, documenting hundreds of incidents of improper Teacher or staff to student conduct, as well as financial fraud on a mass scale, with schools misreporting truants as transfers. I mean, excuse me, misreporting misreporting uh, students that are uh, not attending school as truants when they're not at that school anymore. They're transfers, or they are just out of the system, but continuing to keep them on the books for the purposes of keeping. The state school support dollars flowing. So
2: the real attendance rate isn't three hundred thousand. It could be as low as two hundred and thirty. Hundred thousand
0: people, hundred thousand kids unaccounted for, according to the OIG report. Hundred thousand out of three hundred and thirty. Uh
2: huh. And of these six hundred cases, these reported cases, about four hundred and seventeen have been substantiated, with sixteen criminal charges filed. And I'd love to see their websites. I mean, they're mug mug shots and get their names and see where they worked. Because as a parent, don't you have a right to that? To know if it's in your school? It it has
0: nothing to do with being a parent. It has to do with being a taxpayer. It's public record.
2: Well, I think for some parents out there, we'd like to know if somebody's being groomed or sexually molested in our school. Really?
0: That that comes as a surprise to me. I know you think that um, the only people who talk to CPS parents are CPS parents, but that's not the case. And I'm looking for CPS parents who aren't going to a handful of schools that are paying any attention whatsoever by evidence of what they're offering in response to these details, which is what?
2: Where's the protest? Where's the march in front of CPS headquarters?
0: Um, And by the way... um, there are other places where there is a reaction from parents when things begin to go awry and questions are met with stonewalling. Like in Loudoun County, Virginia. Uh, another update from Loudoun County, Virginia. Another parent vindicated. John Tegus was arrested at a school board meeting in June of 2021 because the. Panjan drums on the school board in Loudoun County didn't like the public comment, so they cut it off and they had Tegas removed. This is how that went.
1: Well, now, you guys, this, is a, this is an unlawful arrest. I have
9: a First Amendment right. Listen, 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 listen you, you do. Right? But listen, You're right. Okay, listen, thank you. You're so someone
5: so
9: listen,
5: listen, listen to me. At this point, the meeting is over, right? It's not over. It's not it, over. We were right.
0: meeting. We were meeting. If you... And so there's five cops surrounding him, and then he's again he's arrested. He um, uh, challenged the arrest. He was found guilty of trespassing by a judge at a district court level in September, but then he appealed it, and Judge Douglas Fleming in the 20th Judicial Circuit in Virginia agreed with him. Clearing him of any wrongdoing. Good. Fleming found that both T, that uh, both Tegas had a First Amendment right to attend the meeting and that the now-fired superintendent, Ziegler, Scott Ziegler, had no right to declare the meeting a, a quote-unquote unlawful assembly, thereby nullifying the grounds for the trespassing charge. Unlike the first two judges who ruled against my case, Judge Fleming actually made a rule based on state statutes. The first judge stated that since Ziegler didn't feel safe, he could have peaceful protesters arrested. The second judge determined that a person's constitutional right to speech and assembly were not allowed during a meeting recess. Three's the charm, I guess. Yeah, um, it takes a fight to challenge, much less undo, all that we have allowed to be done, whether it's in Loudoun County or Chicago. But at least in Loudoun County, you have hundreds of parents, mostly left of center, showing up. And have been for the last two years leading the parental revolt that put Glenn Youngkin in the governor's office there and spurred many other parents and many other school districts around the country to similarly challenge those who think they have exclusive dominion over their children inside and outside of the school for that matter. But in CPS, so I mean, so this happens. My point is this happens in school districts all over the country on where issues are much less serious than the criminal sexual abuse of children, than the massive defrauding of this, of state government. But not in Chicago in terms of a response. No response anywhere from those who were defrauded or those who are the beneficiaries of the defrauding. Nobody says anything. It's a remarkable thing, Tina Joliet. Hey, good morning,
10: guys. So I have wrinkled a lot of feathers in my. Um, I'm in all these groups about school board elections, blah blah blah, and I, I just basically said to these folks, these these school board elections are pointless, and we should be getting these. We, we this is a rescue mission at this at this point. We have to subsidize tuition and get these kids out of these schools. They're, they're a danger public schools in Illinois are irrevocably broken, and i don't think we we can't fix them at this juncture and we can get all the people we want elected to the school board. The problem is immediate we're at it, 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 we're at the emergency level now it will yeah, take but, decades.
0: but 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 I don't think the two are mutually exclusive because it may be immediate, but you're not going to have everybody recognize that uh, the water is about to capsize the boat immediately and so they will not leave they will not pull their children out they can't afford to pull their children Correct. Out. there's there's not immediate scholarship money in the offing and so we we can say Correct. emergency and immediate all we want but you have to do something internally while you're uh trying to execute this rescue mission that i agree with I, you needs to be initiated
10: Ha- absolutely i i liken it to you know we're sending lifeboats to the titanic after it already sank we've got to it is a two-pronged approach we've got to get different people on school boards and we we also have we've got to do everything we can to raise money and fund the tuition for these kids and get them out these schools are dangerous these are not the schools we grew up with we, these are not the teachers we grew up with it's, oh, no. it's, we're at that point
0: Thanks for the call, Tina.
2: Got a text message. Perhaps the reason why the CTU pushed so hard to get cops out of school is to protect other CTU members from getting caught.
0: Mm, Maybe. Mm. I mean, and and also they're just, you know, communist ideologues who who are proponents of things like defunding the police, which we know, as every CTU president in recent memory has been, from Sharkey to Karen Lewis to... Uh, Who who preceded Karen Lewis? Like it matters?
2: I can't remember back that far.
0: Jim and poor Charlotte.
2: Good morning. Uh,
9: This isn't just a uh, Chicago problem. This is a national systemic problem, and there's only a few cures for it. And one: dismantle the system from the top down, starting with that scumbag Randy Weingart. Um, Pull your kids out of the school. Collapse the system. Just like uh, Saul Alinsky says, collapse the system and restart a new one. Um, I don't know what else to say because the only other cure for this uh, is the gallows poles. I mean, this is ridiculous. Pull your kids out of these damn school systems.
0: Thanks for the call, Jim. You know, we, we profiled that group of black dads that showed up to that school. Oh, and yeah. I think Louisiana, where there were violence problems in the hallways initiated by the students, you know, students, their sons and other kids are fighting in the hallways and said, well, we're not we're not going to have that. So the dad showed up and they said, uh, you're not going to be fighting while we're here. You're going to fight me.
2: Yeah, it changed the whole atmosphere. And then these, you know, kids that didn't have fathers found father figures in these men, these volunteers.
0: And so where were. is that in CPS?
2: Here's another text message. Union officers that help protect these teachers' jobs should be arrested and charged as accessories to rape.
0: Well, I mean, you know, uh, it is worth noting that, of course, uh, Chicago school teachers, your union dues, are going to defend these people because obviously they're assigned a union lawyer, whether it's just a, um, a professional misconduct hearing or it rises to the level of, a criminal prosecution, but they're being represented by lawyers hired by CTU to represent their members. Right. As Al Shanker is famously quoted as having, as uh, having said, as soon as kids start paying dues, we'll start representing kids. Yeah. One of the most honest statements ever. True. uh, Offered by a union teachers union president. And uh, so that's, that is whether they, they can dress it up with their, you know, kids are our future rhetoric all they want. That's their real attitude based on the behavior we see from them. And so, and so, I
10: mean, the the Catholic
0: Church comparison, I I just, I can't get over the lack of response, even if you don't want to be frontline, how you are not beating the door of your alderman's office down, of Kim Fox's office down, uh, holding these mayoral candidates to comment on what is happening and answer as to what they would do if they were the mayor and the de facto head of the Chicago public school system. I just the the lack of interest. You mean whatever the number is, if it's three hundred thousand, three hundred thirty thousand or it's two hundred thirty thousand. You're talking about a lot of kids, and there was no shortage of appropriate outrage with the sex abuse scandal in the Catholic Church or sex abuse scandals anywhere. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And and this? Nothing? Nothing. In the Me Too era and all, the, all of the – because the institution is more important than the kids, right? Why don't you just say that? Why don't people just say that? We have to protect the shield. CPS is too important to too many families. It's where too many, uh, well, too much bread gets buttered. This is where our, this is a source of not just dollars and not just jobs, but political power. And we can't sacrifice that. We can't admit to anything because we don't want to see what we take home, or the political power we wield, diminished in any way. That's the most important thing. And if some kids get sexually abused, well, you know, we're going to break a few eggs. I mean, we're talking about
2: babies. I mean, a fourth-grade female student, a teacher called the female sexy and made comments about her physical appearance and asked another student to find her, another student said they could have a threesome. She's in fourth grade. They don't even know what that means.
0: Don't they? They're being, I think they're, I think that's part of the curriculum now, actually.
9: Good Lord.
0: Frank in Arlington Heights.
9: Hey, good morning. Well, you know, this problem here, you know, one of your previous callers said people have to collapse the system, pull their kids out. How can they? You know, too many families have both parents working. How could you pull your kids out and homeschool them? No way that's going to happen. And so this is really a second or third order effect of, you know, our, our government, our federal government, largely selling the American people out. So many different factors that go into it too much immigration um you know and, and too quick of a period of time um you know trade policy all kinds of different factors go into in, into the degradation of the family when in your earlier segments you talked about a social recession well the, the, the degradation of the family is is part of that we, we definitely have had that and um
0: i know are you i mean be able that to
9: collapse the, how are you can be able to collapse the system given you have to have
0: both parents out there working. You really I, can't do that. I'm not saying you will. I mean, I, you obviously would have to the, – the, 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 the shortest path to affect the most children and families would be to expand opportunity scholarships. But, yeah, you're right. However, the question still becomes for those who are uh, able to send their kid wherever – and choose to send their kid to the neighborhood school or a sucker Maroma school, whatever. For parents who are part of the system and paying attention, we're not hearing from them either. It's like the Francis Parker parents yeah. who speak in hushed yeah. tones when, you know, the dean of students goes on and on about dildos uh, about for, for the teenage kids, the teenage girls there. So, so where are they? I mean, Frank, there is literally no one saying anything.
9: I mean, part of it, too, is I think that people aren't grown up as much as they used to be generations ago. I mean, I don't feel as grown up as my grandfather would have been at my age, having what he had been through. I, you know, I, I just don't. Well,
0: I just yeah. we have gone
9: through so much, the Depression, World War II, and everything else. And and I think that we've just had such a, you know, we've we lived in Shangri-La for so long. And now they got all these other distractions out there that, I mean, people just aren't grown up we aren't adults
0: thanks for the call frank i mean I, yeah i think there's a lot of truth to that but i, I just you you get wind of a report like this that shows systemic documents systemic abuse
2: Text messages,
0: and 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 you know again just thinking about this in the the least high-minded way the incentives of the trial lawyer the incentives of the politician to moralize. And still nobody says anything. The incentive of the prosecutor to say, we're on it. And still no one says anything. Where's
2: Kim Fox? Yeah.
0: All the incentives appear, emphasis on appear, to be in the direction of seizing this political or economic opportunity. And yet it's not seized. And you should ask yourself why. Because it's probably irrational, if not. Moral decision that these political and economic actors are making. So, what is it? Why? Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Hear about the big
1: stories of the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM 560. The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM 560. The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, It's time to start uh, getting to these mayoral candidates with uh, the primary election, February 28th. So just uh, six weeks away, so seven weeks away. Willie Wilson is a candidate for mayor again this cycle. He ran in 2019. And he had your
2: support pick then, remember?
0: He's a successful businessman. Yes, I remember who I support. Uh, I was Mm -hmm. the inaugural... Charter member of uh, White East for Willie back in 2019. And uh, we've had running conversations on a number of topics over the years, even when he wasn't a candidate. Willie Wilson joins us again to discuss his candidacy in this cycle. Willie, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
11: All right. Thank you, Dan. And Amy, how y'all doing?
0: Uh, By the way, the website, electwillywilson.com, electwillywilson.com for more info on his candidacy. So, Um, you got an interesting endorsement uh, the other day as Paul Vallis got one yesterday. So Paul Vallis gets the FOP endorsement. You get the endorsement of Alderman uh, Ray Lopez, who uh, is really made a name for himself in the city and was Mm -hmm. a a brief candidate for mayor, made a name for himself as somebody who's been pro-police and gotten to fights, rhetorical fights with Lori Lightfoot about being pro-police. So um, the importance of the Ray Lopez endorsement and how that should be understood, particularly with Paul Vallis getting the FOP's endorsement when the issue is law and order.
11: Well, I I, I believe it's just showing that we're trying to, as a candidate, to bring more people uh, together, a coalition of uh, black and brown, white, Asian-American, and uh, different people around the city of Chicago, and I think we 've done a good job of doing that so far uh, i 've always been pro police you know um you know we 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 had to back and support our police officers but uh with with, with low pass uh, endorsement uh we also got about two hundred and maybe three hundred some uh Latino ministers that endorsed us as well as well as the uh, Polish uh, Congress of the state of Illinois endorsed us, and, and, and then the Italian Police uh, Association endorsed us as well. So we've been really working on a coalition to, to bring everybody together, not just one segment of, uh, pop, of the population, of different nationality.
2: Why do you want to run again? I mean, it didn't work the first time, and right now polls have you showing anywhere between third or fourth place.
11: Well, first of all, the polls that came out have been not the one that is right. But the reason why I want to, let's say, run again, I mean, like, nothing wrong with running and um, maybe losing one or two. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, as you know, ran 21 times before he became president of the United States. I think when you give up, uh, that's when you lose. But when you keep going, you never lose. And, And so... I believe we all still we put here to do good, and if we stop, that means good stop. Those who had a hard right try to do good, and, and and so I would never stop. I mean, I'm like uh, seventy-four now. If I get to be a uh, hundred years old, then then I'll still be be running for something, trying to help people without trying to help myself.
0: Uh, the uh, CPS Inspector General report that came out at the end of last week detailing. Uh, Hundreds of incidents of improper conduct between teachers and staff and students detailing what could be massive financial fraud with schools recording students that transferred or left the school as just truants to keep their attendance up, to keep the state dollars flowing. What do you have to say about that?
11: Well, I've always said that the Chicago problem is a mismanagement in, in terms of budget corrupt and things of that nature as well. Um, you know, once I become mayor, I will have an audit done every three to four months, independent of every department that is under the uh, mayor. Office. To keep people honest, you know, if you, if you leave things open, wide open, that's encourages encourage people to do wrong.
0: Yeah, uh, but, but, but if they but know but- you Well, sorry to interrupt, but this Inspector General report is is, is going back a few years, and these findings in this OIG report are not inconsistent with previous findings and previous reporting on a, well, arguably a culture of sexual exploitation of children in the system as well as a lack of financial accountability, even when previous reports have found the uh, lack of safeguards and policies and procedures, and uh, the implementation of corrective actions. So it seems to me there's something much more fundamental than you know another layer of auditing at CPS. We, we, we need something big with at CPS, and I want to know what you think that is.
11: You know, I'd I, I be I'd be quite honest with Chicago. Got so many problems. All right, mm-hmm. I think that the lack of communication. It's a situation, lack of coming together, talking, and working things out together because one person, regardless of what department it is, cannot fix it by itself. I, you know, we, we're in business real well, and we have all different types of problems in business uh, national, international, you, you name it. And we, we get in, we work together with our partners, and we work it out. And I think the same thing has to occur here. Unless you're able to start working together and put checks and balances in place, these things are going to always exist. It is not just the first time or the second time. There are going to be plenty more that is out here coming. And I just think the failure of uh, lack of communication and uh, not working together, uh, not having people uh, that have different uh, community involved, uh, to catch all these problems, I would put checks and balances in place. Uh, yeah, but,
0: but here, here, here here's the thing. Okay, that, that that's fine. Checks and balances. I mean, it, would you expect a school superintendent that you appointed, if it was found that there were hundreds of instances of improper conduct between adults and uh, uh, by adults on students, including of a sexual nature? We don't do we need a community to come together? Do we need groups and checks and balances or do we need leadership at the leadership level to say uh, I am stunned by what has been reported by the inspector general? I am in communication no, I- now with with Cook County State's attorney's office. I am talking to the teachers union. We are going to remove people from this system who pose a threat to children and we're going to put monitors in. We're going to have police. We're going to do whatever it takes to ensure that the environments are safe and parents can have confidence that these school environments are safe. But we're not getting that. Yeah,
11: no, you know, I, you know uh, I, I, I will hold them accountable, and I think they should be uh, arrested. To be honest with you, you know. But when I say come together, like a communication, meaning that there are people working department that would love to talk and tell what's going on in those departments and things of that nature the some of the leadership as well but if you if you close them off then they don't have any incentive to do this but but no i would certainly um those people should be investigated and prosecuted by the uh, rules of the law and, take and, and, and taken and then take care of i mean when you're going to take then prey on uh, some student and things of that nature it, it's 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 lunatic they, they are pure lunatic. I mean, to 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 have that to happen, it's still a lack of follow-up and checks and bounds and things in place to catch some of these things because somebody else had to know about it.
2: Right, but would you have the superintendent come forward like, this is a p- report, and we talk about it publicly, and this is how we're going to solve the problem because no one's even returning phone calls when we're asking you know, the you know, superintendent uh, for a response to this OIG report?
11: I, I, I would not. I would, I would have the people removed. I would definitely, as superintendent. I would have them removed. So, so these, so these, here.
0: so these people in charge now, like Pedro Martinez, uh, Willie Wilson is the next mayor of Chicago. He's gone, and that leadership team, and and this is going to be a a, a fight front and center for all to see. Uh, with whoever stands in your way to reforming that system, is that is that is that fair? Is that what you're saying? Uh, absolutely. So like, Pedro, Mar- Pedro Martinez yeah. is gone for sure.
11: Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. You know, and a lot more people underneath because he's not the only person that knows about it. There's a lot no, of layers in that. Yeah. You know, that that do know about it, and unless you got communication, it, it's just like business. You know, like. I have people employed over in um China and Australia and things of that nature. But we, we communicate very thoroughly. Somebody out of those people that work for me and in the United States uh knows about what's going on, but if we didn't communicate we wouldn't catch it. You know. So so I I uh I I would I would definitely uh have them arrested and put out of there and we'll put checks and balances in place to make sure nothing like that happened at all. And I do remember back a while back when that was coming on, it just like, we're like swept under the rug. But that that got to do with corruption and people trying to cover one another uh, butt, you know? Yeah.
2: All right. So how would you talk tackle crime in Chicago? Because since 2023 began, we've had six carjackings a day.
11: Well, uh, uh, taking a handcuff off the police off and put them on the trucks. Number one, giving them the, 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 the freedom to, with, with common sense, to take them, if someone takes and uh, rob somebody uh, uh, right in front of you in police office there, you have the right to chase them down or to chase them uh, in, in their cars and things of that nature as well. Take some of these policies, these, these rules and regulations after the police officer will common sense to make sure that they are—they're not afraid that if they arrest somebody, that they're going to jail themselves. We—we we, we have to break that up because see, it ain't about black and white. Crime has no no color. It's happened to everybody, you know. And we were ordinary. I still believe in the scenario I had last time. I still believe that those. Four police and superintendents still would go into effect and split the Chicago in four different ways and hold them accountable to that, integrating the the, the, the cars and things of that nature. But I think the biggest problem is, though, uh, police officer is afraid uh, if they do something that they get arrested themselves. Not enough common sense in play here. Um, and they has to be respected. Those our men's and women, who go out every day and protect us, you know. So, uh, so, so police po- right.
0: So police incl- and you know, including whoever you would select as superintendent, would know that they have the mayor's backing. That they they could be confident that the mayor is not looking for opportunities to backstab them or to jackpot police officers. Obviously, you're not going to defend anybody that did something wrong. Nobody's saying that, but. But you, right. you you would have civilian leadership backing the police if you were mayor. That's the point.
11: Uh, yeah, that's exactly the point. Uh, we, we're going back to back the police officers. You got good and bad and everything. But the same token is that you don't need police officers turning it back against you. What you
0: know? about the? What about? I mean, you know, there's the argument that uh, we're two thousand, maybe more now. Two thousand police officers down from where we need to be. Um, is there going to be? Would there be an effort by you as mayor to? To make up uh, for that manpower shortage, if you perceive it well, that way,
11: I think we had to do. We, we would have to bring back the people uh, that uh, uh, retired, hire more police officers, um, put some training course and things like that in place, and and hire people, uh, get police they they, uh, they they off days. And I, I frankly tell you this much: I just think our first responder, like police officer, need to be paid more. You know, I, I just really do. I think they're underpaid. These are people who protect our lives. Uh, we, we, I think, there may be about uh, twelve thousand, I guess, or whatever the number goes up and down, but should be about fourteen thousand, I believe. Uh, we'll bring those back, and and after retired police officers come in and give us a hand as well, and we'll get the morale up. That people are gonna want to be proud to. Wear the uh, uh, uniform again of, of the police officer.
2: And what are you going mean, to do? Give him respect. Yeah. What about the homeless situation? I mean, we now have tents popping up near Michigan Avenue on Chestnut. I mean, it, it's everywhere. It's this is we're becoming slowly, but surely we're becoming the next L.A. or San Francisco.
11: You know, I've always said this too about the homeless situation. Uh, I don't know. I I heard a number that said there was about twenty-five thousand homeless people. And, and and I, and I go out, I took about, I don't know, last year or so, uh, I don't know, half a million bucks went out and gave to people that was out there and homeless. And a lot of them, um, you know, went out there because they just wanted to be out there. But I still say this here, that we got a lot of vacant um, apartment and buildings that is here. Why can't we go in and clean them buildings up and let the homeless people live in there? We got a lot of vacant schools. Why can't we go in there and clean those schools up and refit them, things of that nature, and and let them stay in there, you know? Why why can't we we uh, we we find the dollars and and do do management the right way to give these people a place to stay? one lady told me uh, up on Ashland, uh, the tent they've been staying out there for four and a half years, her and her husband. So that's particular day I went by and I think I gave three fifty to her and three fifty to him and she said, you know what? She said now I finally can get a place to stay and take a shower after four and a half years. My husband I can get a one bedroom apartment because you
0: came along
11: and in and, and, and four and a half years we've been staying out here. So, you know? so and, every
0: I'm sorry, go you wanna go ahead, finish Willie. No. No
11: I, I what are saying, so 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 there's no 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 need to have homeless people out here they have a place state, and everybody out there uh here again uh you have school teachers and lawyers out there they're living out there that used to be successful. you got people who, who Covid nineteen came, and they may be struggling with bills and things of that nature, but when Covid nineteen came they was they they' ended up out there who got skills? you know you know and, he- and so we got to do something about that, you know.
0: So, you know, every candidate has like a big question, like here's your vulnerability or here's your challenge. And it seems to me your challenge is there are people who don't think Willie Wilson can do this job, like you're not up to the the job. Um, I think it has a lot to do with, frankly, how how you talk. And um, and I, I think a lot of people know your story. Maybe not everybody does. But I wonder what you think about what you think about that and how you would address that, because, um, I mean, you have been you've made more money in business than every candidate in the field combined by a factor of probably 10. So you have managed to be wildly successful in the business world in this uh, in this country. And, you know, that's something that's that's a real thing. And I and I'm not trying to be your PR agent here. I just think that's a real thing. And I don't think you get credit for it. And I and I and I think you have trouble translating that success into the sort of standing that other very successful business people get. Uh, or have when they run for office and like being a successful business person is a big credential It doesn't seem to me like you get credit for having that credential and I wonder if you are thinking about ways to better leverage that to advance your candidacy
11: no let me let me just say this I'm not running for a paycheck I'm not going to take a paycheck give it away all right I've helped thousands and thousands, and thousands of thousands of people every day in my life and continue to do so if I wanted to, Dan, to, to to go to the best school in the world, hire the best people in the world in terms of language, wise I, I I could probably hire a thousand teachers to do that, all right. But because of the world there's so many people out here that don't have hope, that that they can't get to school or cannot make it through, um, I'm the person that helps set the example and say that look, you can be successful. If you don't, if, if for whatever reason you haven't been to school, whatever reason you had to drop out, for whatever reason that you may can talk not can talk right, you know it it doesn't matter because like ninety eight percent or ninety five percent of the world in the world people, you know haven't been able to get a high school education or a college education, some of that nature. There, I, I put people first, and though for those people who say that, and I, I always remind them of this here, and I uh, I say look. I signed in front of my check, and they signed the back of theirs, you know. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so 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 and the people, the very people I tell that, one lady came and said the same thing to me. And when she said that, the next five or six months, or three months, she had to come to me and ask me for some money. I think I gave her like $10,000. Her business was in bad shape. She had to come to me and ask me for money, and I gave it to her. Uh, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of the way I talk. I don't wanna change nothing else but try to help more people. That's all. And and, and for those people who who who's out here uh not you know, can't make it, let me represent the, the disadvantaged the people, the middle class, the the, the the people who don't have anything and let me represent them and, and help them and say, Hey look, don't be ashamed of who you are, how you talk, who you be around, or what you wear, because you can make it.
0: All right. I mean, I'm not uh, your political consultant at large either, but I think that last-minute riff is a campaign <laughs> commercial. There's a campaign commercial in there somewhere. I know that. Willie Wilson, <laughs> <elect> Willie Wilson, electwilliewilson dot com is the website. Willie, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it.
11: Hey, thank you. Talk to you.
2: Thank you. God mm-hmm. bless. And he joined us on our Turnkey Pro Answer Line.
1: Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Insert Democrat socialist
9: here.
2: Runs the Democratic House law for, for 30 plus years running. He's promising this and he's stealing that. Where can you get that kind of money? He's using your house like his own piggy bank gank, 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 gank. You ought to know by now
0: You can pay off your house here in Illinois But you can never keep up with the taxes Oh, how oh, it's always been the plan To have a taxpayer pay, no doubt Not a matter of if anymore but when
7: You're moving out when you're moving out. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. That theme
0: music means it's time for our weekly confab with Ted Dabrowski, oh, president of Wirepoints, wirepoints.org. All things Illinois policy related. Big day yesterday as the state of Illinois inaugurated a uh, human butter cow for his second term. <laughs> that would be Governor Spaulding.
2: Yes, and it was a big fanfare. They had fireworks inside. They had Bruno Mars. The couple had their first dance. You know what they danced to? Because I'm sure you don't. Eat care. it. No. Looks
5: like we
2: made it.: Oh yeah, that was her first dance. <laughs> yeah But it, it, the two lies, because I watched it so you didn't have to, his speech. you know he started out, I don't know if he was trying to be cute, but it's just more delusional lies from the left. You know those fire Pritzker signs, and if any of you've driven south of I-80, you saw them everywhere. Well, guess what? He saw them too, and he was a little concerned. I was concerned about this until
9: my kids pointed out that when people in their generation think something is really cool, they say, that's fire.
0: Dad, you're embarrassing us.
9: Dad, I didn't say that. So I want to take this moment to thank everyone Mm -hmm. who put up those very encouraging signs. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I love it when politicians attempt to impersonate a human being, attempt to present a personality.
2: I don't know if it, we're, Illinois is a free state. I mean, it's just what the same talking points Governor Newsom used during his inauguration.
9: Illinois, we have power and we have hope and a genuine goodness that is rooted in being the place in this country to which all people can come and live free.
2: <laughs> you, you feel like we've lived free the past three years there? Um,
0: mm-hmm. All people can come. That's true. Although more people are going than coming, aren't they, yes. Governor? Again, um, Illinois uh, losing 140000 uh, net last year, uh, July to July. Um, now, uh, Illinois legislators voted themselves a 17% pay oh. hike uh, to 85 grand a year for a part-time job, which was completely fair because oh. we lost some ground to our blue state counterparts in places like New York. They were able to drive 180,000 people out and they got a 30% raise. So 180000 30% raise, you tear it down. 140000 you drive out of your state, you get 17% bump. That seems fair yeah. to me. You
2: predicted that, though, remember?
0: Oh, Well, it's, yeah. well you, you, that's, this is the point. If you're in the incredibly shrinking blue America, the way that you ensure job security uh, and the ability to vote yourself raises without any concern about retribution politically is you just drive more people out of the state because who's leaving? People who actually want to live in a free state that also features some level of political sanity. Places like New York, Illinois, California don't feature that. And so the worse we make it, the better it gets for us. And all is right in blue, blue America, incredibly shrinking blue America, but blue America nonetheless. For more on this, Ted Dabrowski joins us. Ted, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it.
4: Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy. Yeah, the, the, the flood of extremism continues, and I, I think it's got to just play out. Uh, you know, if you, if you watched his, his speech, he's promising more free stuff, right? Free college, free, free, school. free school for all, all that right. stuff, and uh, more goodies to come. And uh, he's going to try to finish his gun ban and, uh, you know, strengthen the abortion, abortion laws. And this will be the uh, ideal place for, for people to live.
0: Strengthening abortion laws? Are we going to like infanticide up to the year of five? How do you strengthen them when you've got abortion on demand, all nine months, taxpayer funded?
4: Well, you you make sure that if things change at the federal level, um, you know things stay the same here. So I I guess that would be it.
0: Well, one of the other things you do though, which has been suggested, is for people who are visiting Illinois to get an abortion, birthing people. I don't want to be you know too specific. I don't want to exclude anybody. Birthing people come to Illinois for an abortion um well let's put them up in in a hotel at state expense let's feed them at state expense let's provide i mean we can continue to go on and on to attract more birthing people to have their abortions here
4: yeah and, and that's precisely what they, what they want and what they're doing and uh it, it's across the board the same on everything that's going on so it's happening it's i think i think we can only watch Watch extremism keep going until it goes so far that uh, at some point, you know, we keep talking about at some point, whenever that is, even the center left says what the hell happened. Right. And that's that's when perhaps the the, the change can happen, if if ever.
2: Well, when you watched yesterday's inauguration speech, you know, 25 minutes long, did it feel as if he was running for president, seeking higher office to you?
4: Well, you know, you know, I I watched the New Hampshire and, and part of the Florida speeches that he gave. And those were unabashed presidential run speeches. This one, this one didn't feel the same. Uh, but uh, but I, I think he is. I think he's he certainly got his eye on it, and uh, you know he he wants to be able. And this part of why he's he's completing some of the things he's doing is he wants to be able to run um, on that platform and and uh, and be strong about it, like he's been in those speeches he's gave in Florida and in, in New Hampshire. He wants to go all in, uh, you know, with the gun ban and all those things. It's uh, it, for him. It gives him more power to to speak up, which which makes it, I think, fascinating face uh, face down between him and uh, a guy like DeSantis.
2: And that's why that he was on the House officer. floor. But he was on the House floor in the middle of the night to get that photo op to, you know, I was there when we passed stricter, you know, uh, go, you know, gun rights and a banned assault weapons so that he could use that, I think, for an, a political ad for president.
4: Yeah. I mean, why not? And then. uh, Yeah, that really
0: distinguishes him. Everybody is for gun bans. Everybody is for abortion on demand all nine months. Everybody is for calling women or trans men birthing people. I I mean, there that there is no daylight between any of these candidates. They're completely uninteresting. And uh, unfortunately for Jelly Belly, he is not the most attractive candidate of the field of would-be's to replace Biden. So whatever. The good news is that he's going to continue to do his great work in Illinois, at least for the next two years in the run up to running. Um, you know, Ted, uh, James Freeman writing in The Wall Street Journal uh, talks about this uh, boring story, leaving the land of Lincoln. He talks about big companies leaving Illinois and uh Tenneco, the part auto parts manufacturer that was like four is going to Michigan and. Um, you know, he talked that there's some talk about uh, how Allstate uh, sold off its corporate campus and now just has this one little building up there in Lake County. And, you know, people like you make and James make a big deal about it, but it's no big deal. Uh, David Collis, who's a professor at Harvard – Harvard, I said. I hope you heard that. It's not a big deal. Corporate headquarters have become much less important than they were 20 years ago. So Lori Lightfoot and Pritzker and all the Dem Socialist politicians who – have shrugged their shoulders as these big companies have left. They're right, and you and people like James Freeman are wrong. Corporate headquarters don't matter.
4: Yeah, you know, if you want to talk about just corporate headquarters, well, that's one thing. But if you count it, if you look at everything else that's happening in, in Illinois and in Chicago, uh, you, you start to add them all up, and that's what a smart person would do. So, you know, David Calls at Harvard may, may, may have made his his comment, but, you know, when you take the number of people who are leaving, I mean, think about it this way. You know, Texas in the last decade grew grew its population by 4 million people. Right? That's like a third, a third of Illinois in a decade. Uh, you know, we, we, we barely held ground. We lost 18,000 in that decade. Now we've lost over 200,000 in, in the first two years alone. You know, think about if you're a, corpor- a corporation trying to expand. Do you want to have your, your investments in a state that's shrinking, or do you want to be in one that's growing and thriving in this pro-business? Uh, you know, it, it's a growth model. Uh, That's where you want to be, and you you see that. You know, Rivian has its uh, EV plant. Sorry, uh, they have an EV plant here, but they're spending five billion dollars and some six thousand new employees in Georgia. Uh, Stellantis, rather than building a battery factory here, is building it in in Indiana. Two and a half billion. You know, the numbers are huge, and uh, we're losing all that and all those gaining it. So we can keep ignoring it and all that, but it's 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 true. It's happening. It's a it's a slow boil sometimes, but
0: we got a casino coming. It's going to be fine. We have a casino coming well, we to Chicago. That's fine. It's, everything's fine.
4: Yeah, and you can't ignore the uh, the the, uh, the cannabis revenues have done really well. So Yeah,
0: exactly. So it's tell not, you, know, cannabis the casinos. Light it up and, you know, put it on pass, and let's just get on with it already. Stop all <laughs> this crying. Um, but one thing that James Freeman points out may be of interest to some people, not Illinois voters, but just uh, people that have an interest in public policy. You know, the Allstate thing, yeah, one of the things Allstate is doing by shrinking its uh, – corporate campus is allowing most of its 5,400 employees up around Lake County to work wherever they want. So maybe they don't want to work or live in Illinois. And, you know, that's 5,000 people that are probably doing pretty well working for Allstate. They're going to take their uh, investments. So they're buying a home and so they're sending of kids to school and everything else that one does, they're going to take their business somewhere else. And so, you know, 5,000 here, 5,000 there, 140,000 here, 180,000 there. And pretty soon you're talking about real population loss.
4: And that's precisely how it works, right? It's the two sides of it. And that's what people forget, especially people talking about this. You know, you lose, we lose people who are frustrated, whether it's the taxes, the jobs, the crime, the sex, the sex scandals, whatever it is, right? We lose people. but. You know, as this Wall Street Journal and other other periodical show, um, you know, put Illinois in the bad light. Well, there's going to be a lot of companies who wanted to maybe expand into or thought about expanding to Illinois. And said, I'd rather go somewhere else. So the expansion to the lack of expansion, the lack of people moving in from Missouri to Illinois or from Iowa to Illinois, all that. Is, it, so it's a double whammy. More people leaving and fewer people coming in. And that's how it that's how it snowballs. And I think that's the big risk. Who's going to want to come here? As fewer people live here, if the economy is not as good, as jobs are not as plentiful, as pay is not as good, uh, houses are more expensive, and, of course, the tax bill is huge, why come here? So um, that's that's what people outside of Illinois will say, and that will hurt us as well.
0: Something else I know that doesn't matter, but we'll go through it anyway just for you know the pro forma nature of doing so because I know a lot of people consider themselves fiscal conservatives here. It's kind of funny. Um, the uh, truth in accounting is put out there. They're put out their annual, you know, uh, best and worst states in terms of their fiscal stability. And as per usual, Illinois is in the bottom five. They're so-called sinkhole states. New Jersey has the highest debt uh, burden on a per taxpayer basis, uh, followed by Connecticut. And Illinois comes in at 48th out of 50. So, I mean, just to, again, I know we we've always had balanced budgets under Democrat governors because they said so. And I know that the, I don't know, a quarter of a trillion dollars in unfunded pension liabilities is not a big deal. And I know that the money that uh, Pritzker borrowed uh, is not a big deal. And I know the problem with the uh, unemployment insurance program, not a big deal. I know none of the money things are a big deal, but I just note that because, I you know, who knows? I, I'm not a, a fiscal conservative like the ruling class here, and I'm not, you know, a, a policy genius like the people in office here. But maybe someday that that uh, that debt burden is felt in a way that really compels people to leave even in bigger numbers than they are on an annual basis right now.
4: Well, you know, the numbers are so big that they're hard to understand. And people don't you know, people aren't sitting around thinking about the size of the pension debts and what what's the right discount rate to determine how big they are and all that. What they what they do know is, you know, that the property taxes keep going up and uh, and they feel it and. And when you look at the numbers, so you you take the wonky look, and you add them all up. Nobody has as big a debt as we do with New Jersey and Connecticut. We have massive debt. And if we're going to pay those pensions, because it's all pension and retiree health care for government workers. Mm-hmm. If we're going to pay those debts down over time, as the government promises, well, then there's only one thing to do. Uh, so either you can get a federal bailout. If that happens, well, that, that's one way. But the other way is just to tax people more because they've got to come after people with money to pay those those benefits.
0: Totally agree. Um, Let's and, do it.
4: And and that's it. And and so you can be whatever camp you want to be in. The numbers are massive. They got, they're they're coming after you, and uh, and that's why people leave. And it shows up in their home values. It shows up in their tax bills. It shows up in lousy schools. It shows up everywhere. It becomes you know kind of decrepit. And that's that's the path we're in.
0: Yeah. No. I I'm, I'm I I hope I hope he finally makes uh, these fat cats like you and your friends on the North Shore to pay their fair share. I'm hoping for that. <laughs> Uh, one other thing, too, I thought that was humorous. I thought I was reading um, Babylon B, but it turned out to be the Tribune. They had some commentary about uh, about regionalism and regional cooperation. And, you know, let's let's not be competing for, you know, moving a corporate campus from Oak Brook to the West Loop uh, or for moving uh, corporate uh, headquarters from downtown to a leafy suburb. You know, let's the city and the collar counties, let's all get together and work together as one for the the greater good. Um, It's funny because this is sort of an evergreen editorial that uh, has no connection to the real world or to this sinking ship of state called Illinois, where everybody is just trying to hold on to anything that floats for their parochial purposes. But, hey, it's a nice gesture. It's a nice sentiment, you know.
4: Yeah, maybe, maybe we can even do that with the with the nearby states. Remember, they tried that. Let's 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 have that same policy with Indiana. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, then, then you know, maybe maybe we can share more with the others. Yeah, I, I think it's a mess. It's 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 silly. It's silly. That's all I uh, can
0: say. And um, uh, I know you guys are going to be on this because basically, I I think when it comes to issues where the core institutions to prop up the ruling class are jeopardized in any way, it's basically left to Uh, us on this program and you at Wirepoints to address them. Um, We've been talking about it all morning. We will continue to the combination of the sex abuse scandal and potentially a massive financial fraud within the Chicago public school system.
4: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I I was able to do a radio show yesterday on, on this uh, report, the OIG report and this flood of sexual harassment and abuse at, at CPS and, you know, look around, like you said, who's going to report on it? Where, where is everybody? And, uh, you know, it, it, it's not surprising that the Sun-Times or, or the Tribune isn't reporting on it. To, to be fair to the Tribune, they did break this stuff, you know, back in uh, 2018. Um, but, you know, nobody's reporting on it now, and it, it's it's just a, a signal or it's just the same old thing, right? Everybody's got to cover each other's butts, and, you know, nobody wants to get in, in, in life with bad grace. It's, just, it's a election time, so that we're all going to, you know, Work together, whatever whatever it is, but they're not going to talk about it. But it, it's um, when you combine, you know, you combine all these things. You have to combine. It's, it's not this is not a sexual abuse issue. This is a they don't teach the kids how to read, right? You know, we talked about it. One out of ten black kids can read. Um, we allow the crime to go rampant. Um, we we don't punish bad behavior. Uh, we have all the corruption. We have this teachers union that is the, the, the most militant most aggressive, most, I have to say, nasty union in the country. Mm -hmm. Put all that stuff together, and it's no surprise that you've got a flood of adult on student sexual abuse. No surprise.
0: Oh, Oh, and by the way... nobody's
4: going to do anything about it.
0: Yeah, and by the way, hey, in the suburbs, you may want to check this out too, in DuPage County, which is um, a a blue county now, 57% of DuPage County public high school students fail the 2022 state English exam. Mm -hmm. Scores fell 15% from 2019 so they fell 15% uh, during the pandemic barely uh, excuse me more than half now of DuPage County public high school students failed the 2022 state English exam all those great schools and great school systems in DuPage County boy i just love it i hey, just really Dan, love I've it tra-
4: yeah i've tracked i've tracked it across the state everybody's collapsing and it's 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 you're right, the right the 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 demand for excellence in education is is falling everywhere in all the suburbs all over the places there's very few pockets that are that are trying to keep up with. Um, I would just say, you know, an excellence of merit, uh, an achievement. It's, everybody's getting soft, and uh, it's it's going to hit. It's going to hit all the good areas as well as the bad areas.
0: Ted Dabrowski, president, of Wirepoints.org, all things Illinois policy related. Ted, thanks as always. Thank you, guys.
2: Thank you, and he joined us on our Turnkey.Pro answer line.
1: Listen to podcasts of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560 The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, uh, when President Biden... Appeared for a hagiographic interview. Does 60 Minutes do any other kind when it comes to Democrat socialists? This was back in September, and uh, he was given the floor to express his grave disappointment. It's
2: classic.
0: His shocked conscience over the classified docs at Mar-a-Lago.
3: When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself, looking at that image?
4: How that could possibly happen? How anyone could be that irresponsible? And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that I mean names of people who helped, etc. And it just uh, totally
3: irresponsible.
0: The totally irresponsible standard. Well, he must be just beside himself uh, this morning, oh, yeah. uh, yesterday into this morning, after uh, it was made public that back in November officials in his orbit found classified docs in his private office that he maintained after serving as vice president and went to the National Archives with them, The National Archives then turning around asking the Department of Justice to investigate those classified docs. No raid needed.
2: Uh, Well, they were in a locked closet.
0: No raid needed. Yeah. Uh, Evan Perez of CNN. CNN. Even he, the national justice correspondent at CNN, couldn't look past the obvious comparison. But that said, right, I mean, I think the context that you're um, certain you're going to hear in the coming hours certainly from uh, former uh, President Trump's uh, team, is that you can see how he ended up where he ended up, right? That, uh, you know, how can you prosecute, uh, which is something obviously that is being considered by the Justice Department right now. There's, a, there's actually a special counsel looking into whether to bring criminal charges in this case. Uh, how can you consider bringing charges against uh, Donald Trump when
3: something like this could have happened uh, to Joe Biden? I think...
0: Yeah. And don't even get me started on Hillary Clinton while we're at it. Oh, yeah. For more on this, please be joined by our friend Katie McFarland, former first deputy national security advisor, President Trump, author of Revolution, Trump, Washington and We the People. KT, uh, incredibly irresponsible was the standard that Joe Biden applied in in, and analyzing the uh, documents at Mar-a-Lago. I assume he'll apply that same standard to himself.
12: Well, dream on. Um, no, I think that what this shows is that the Justice Department has been weaponized against conservatives, against President, former President Trump, against any opposition. And if you think that they're going to do to Joe Biden and his classified documents what they did to President Trump and his, you know, again, dream on. So I think what what this shows me is it's time for the House of Representatives to form a special committee, special select committee to look into the abuses of power of the FBI and the Justice Department and whatever masters they're reporting to, whether it's the Biden administration, whether it's Democrats, whether it's only to themselves. Um, When I was just starting out in government in the 1970s, there was something called the Church Committee hearings, the Church Tower. Those Mm -hmm. were two senators, Republican and Democrat senators, who investigated the abuses of J. Edgar Hoover's Justice Department and also of the CIA, what was the CIA up to? Were they fomenting coups, et cetera? And it revealed an awful lot about both intelligence agencies, particularly the CIA. And it led to pretty significant and massive reforms. Well, it's time to do that again. It's time to figure out whether and find out whether the people that we entrust with enormous powers, secret, you know, police state powers of investigation and prosecution, have, have somehow slipped over to the side of becoming persecution. And so I think it's um, I think it's important that Republicans now control the House. And I do think that they need to go to the next step and create a committee and bring this all out in the open. You know, it never would have been discovered the abuses of power would never have been discovered if it wasn't for Elon Musk um, releasing the Twitter files where there's now proof that there was collusion between the Justice Department, the FBI, social media. Now, in that case, it's over COVID and vaccines. But I think once you start taking, once you start opening this can of worms, you'll see that there's a lot more abuse of power.
2: Well, if the DOJ was politicized and on Biden's side, why would they make this public and take this case up on the documents, which took six years to surface, by the way?
12: Right. But, but, you know, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but where was this found? So the Washington Justice Department and the Washington FBI, they're the guys who are all politicized. It's the other de- the other parts of the FBI around the country. Those are really good people. I mean, those are people who join the FBI for a good reason. They haven't been politicized the way that the ones in Washington have as they climb up the greasy pole of power. And so I think part of it is to be explained by that. The other part of it is, you know, frankly, it's in your face. They're not going to prosecute or bring charges against Joe Biden. But it's an in-your-face, the same way that Hunter Biden going on Air Force One going around the world with his father, going to White House receptions and dinners. That's an in-your-face. Everybody knows that he was corrupted. Everybody knows now, even even the Justice Department, not the Justice Department, but even the media admits that that Hunter Biden laptop is real, and yet they don't care. It's in-your-face corruption.
0: Now, I I don't want to go full Tom Clancy here, but there, you know, there's a suggestion, too, that there may be some political skullduggery afoot. Of course, uh, there have to be people... Uh, within the party ranks that recognize Joe Biden is not prepared to run again and maybe they want to slow down any announcement he's likely to make about running in 2024 or they want to start to close in on him in terms of pressuring him to make sure he doesn't get too far afield when it comes to thinking about 24.
12: You know, I, there's probably an element of that in it. I do think at the end of the day, they're going to try to push him aside. And the sooner they do it, the better, because if they wait until the very end to sort of somehow that Joe Biden doesn't run again, then you're kind of stuck. The Democrats are stuck with Kamala Harris because she's going to announce that she's the heir apparent. And if it happens really late in the game, it's difficult for any other Democrats to get in a primary, you know, get into a significantly raise money, become primary candidates etc so i think that the major guy who could challenge joe biden for the nomination is governor of california gavin he's already said well i'm not going to run if joe biden's going to run so maybe there is something to it but i don't think it's gathered a full head of steam yet i do think it will though during the course of the year
2: yeah but the dnc would be shooting themselves in the foot because kamala harris they know she can't win on a national level i mean she's an embarrassment
12: totally amy you're so right that's why the sooner they announce the sooner they get Joe Biden to step aside, the more time it is for other candidates in the Democrat Party to emerge as significant challengers. The longer they wait, the more they're stuck with Kamala Harris. And, Amy, you're absolutely right. There's no way she's going to win election for dog catcher. That's the president of the United
0: States. Uh, president Biden, uh, Mr. Ten Percent there, uh, made a uh, quick run through El Paso over the weekend because he's uh, serious. He's all in on border security, as you know. Um, I wonder uh, this act that's not getting a lot of attention because of the photo op he did over the weekend, which is the end of last week, the Biden administration announcing they'll grant an additional 30,000 visas a month to Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, Cubans, and Haitians if they apply from their home country. This is, uh, I guess, their grand solution to stop the influx at the southern border. But um, Mary Anastasia O'Grady had a good piece about this in The Wall Street Journal, which is we've seen this act before from dictators in this hemisphere. And it's essentially uh, an extortion play uh, by the dictators on America. And this usually happens when a Democrat's in office. It happened uh, Castro did it to Jimmy Carter. And now we've got uh, Maduro and others doing it to Joe Biden. Um, do you, do you agree with her that that's that's what this is and this is a bad move to uh, offer these uh, these additional visas to those countries
12: yeah it's bribery right it's pay us off this is what the, the dictators of those countries are saying pay us off or we're going to send you um, we're going to help send you a lot more um, migrants to your border the way President Trump approached it was we're cutting off aid right now and unless you keep your people there unless you prevent that mass inflation Uh, migration of people, we're never going to give you any aid again. So it kind of flips it on its head. The the, the whole thing with the Biden administration and President Biden going to the border, having ignored it for two years, he's terrified. They're all worried that they're going to have these hearings. Republicans are now going to have hearings on the safety of the border and the fact that the Biden administration, by... By just walking away from it, pretending it didn't exist, has effectively turned over control of the southern border to the human traffickers and the drug cartels. That's who's running the border, not U.S. border agents, not the U.S. government. It's the drug cartels, and so I think that's why President Biden was sort of pressured into showing up at a photo op. And as we all see, in the photo op, was you know it's like it's called Potemkin villages. They kind of swept it clean, made sure there were nothing nothing bad looking here. And so Biden, whether they're trying to fool Biden. And he really doesn't understand that there's a problem, or whether he does understand and they're all thinking they can fool the American people because they have the Democrat controlled media on
2: their hands. I don't know. Either way is pretty bad. Well, Biden right. did see a sanitized version. I mean, he didn't even meet with any of the migrants that were there. No.
5: What migrants? But, there are no migrants. Oh, yeah. There. Oh,
2: they're all in the second ward right in front of that church, but he didn't bother. And they tried to clean up some of the garbage. But what can they do about Mayorkas because he lied in front of Congress and said that the border was secure?
12: You start having hearings and get these guys under oath where there's obviously a lie, and then you can start impeaching them. The one thing I've learned in having worked in the Nixon, Ford, Reagan, Trump administrations is that there's only so much oxygen in the Oval Office. And if they're, if the House of Representatives with a whole myriad of committees can bring them to heel over, okay, the, the censorship at Twitter, the d- Department of Justice overreach, the Hunter button laptop, the Afghanistan debacle, the border they're all going to be so preoccupied defending themselves and defending themselves probably against each other that they're not going to have time to do a whole lot of more bad stuff. So I'd like to see the next two years be completely consumed by investigating these guys, while at the same time, people who are running for the Republican nomination can stake out their policy positions so that by 2024 in November, you can go to the American people and say, okay, here are Republican candidates. They're terrific. They're running on this other policy. Or you want these other guys, either the old guy who's corrupt or all the new guys who are corrupt.
0: Well, to the extent that occurs, that will be at least in part predicated on Speaker Kevin McCarthy's leadership. You wrote a piece about said uh, speaker uh, for Fox News, Um, a lot of histrionics and hand-wringing. But, I mean, that's attended to everything in D.C. over the 15 votes it took to get him across the finish line. But uh, you suggest that doesn't mean that he's going to be a weak speaker.
10: He
12: has an amazing opportunity if he's smart enough to seize it. And it's what I call the crazy boss scenario, where it's a negotiating tactic. And we used it in the Reagan administration, the Trump administration, Henry Kissinger used it negotiating the end of the Vietnam War. You know, Vladimir Putin's using it right now. It's to say, my boss is so crazy that I can't possibly go along with a compromise you're suggesting. And and here's why that's effective now, and it wasn't potentially a while ago. Kevin McCarthy has such a narrow lead that everybody knows that if he if he votes or supports big spending bills, he's out of a job. And his adversary, or the person he has to <clears throat> excuse me, the person he has to stand up to, is no longer President Biden. It's no longer the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat. It's now the Senate Minority Leader Republican Mitch McConnell, because McConnell is just historically known as a big spender. He's the ultimate king of pork. And so he, the problem that McCarthy is going to have is Kevin McCarthy is going to be in the House. He's got his weak, you know, he's got his very weak majority. And the Dem- the Republicans in the Senate are going to say, hey, look, you know, you've got to go along with these big spending bills, these omnibus spending bills, because it's in the interest of keeping government going. It's in the interest of compromise and civility. And now Kevin McCarthy can say, I can't do that. Right. I mean, I've got this crazy boss. They're going to kick me out. So while the beef about Kevin McCarthy always was that he wasn't a strong guy, that he he couldn't stand up to bullies, he's now got a crazy boss theory. He doesn't need a, a big backbone because he's back against against the wall. Now if he's smart enough to use it, he'll just tell McConnell and the others, "No, I can't budge."
0: Yeah, um, you go you go yeah, talk to budge. Scott. You go talk to Scott Perry and Lauren Boebert, right? Yeah, you you yeah. go
12: talk to those. I got those crazy bosses right here, and they Love won't it. let me do it. So we'll see. You know he. If he isn't smart and uses, if he doesn't use that strategy, he's out of a job.
2: Do you appreciate what Matt Getz did and Bobert and in holding out just to get... Look, I'm
12: a big believer. I mean, if I were in Congress right now, I'd be in the Freedom Caucus mm-hmm. because those are the only people who are standing up against this massive spending. I agree. For the last 20 years, Republicans and Democrats alike have taxed away and they've expanded the size of government the republicans did it after september 11th by creating a national security state the democrats did it after 2008 in the financial crisis and now they're all doing it because of COVID. right it's more and more government bigger and bigger government more and more power over every aspect of your life and the freedom caucus those handful of members of the house of representatives are saying enough we can't keep doing this this is how countries and empires decline is when they spend themselves into bankruptcy And if you get to the point where the FBI is used to go as secret army to go after the American people, opposition to go after free speech, if you get the IRS that's going to come after the American people for, I don't know, you know, not selling their cars and paying a tax, then you really do get to the point where you're in a total surveillance state. So I really admire what they've done.
0: She is Katie McFarland, former first deputy national security advisor, President Trump. Her book. Revolution, Trump, Washington, and we, the people. KT, thanks as always.
12: It's a pleasure. Thank you both.
2: Thank you, and she joined us on our Turnkey Pro Answer Line.
0: The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll
1: know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer at AM five sixty. The
0: answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, Bernie Marcus, who last week was lamenting the state of the ethic. Of the American worker, particularly young people, don't want to work. Fat, lazy, and stupid. Had an interesting op-ed in the journal about uh, his experience as an entrepreneur. And it's it's such a great story, the story of Home Depot. co-founder of Home Depot with Arthur Blank. Uh, Because it just speaks to this myth. That being an entrepreneur means, oh, you start out, you open a business, and then, you know, 30 years later, you're a billionaire. (laughs) And it's just a straight line right up, no problems, no issues.
2: Would more than half fail, small businesses fail within the first year?
0: He writes, I didn't start out in the home home improvement industry. I worked my way up the corporate ladder only to be fired by a capricious boss. When I found myself unemployed at 49, at 49. That's rough. I had every reason to be bitter, but I turned to entrepreneurship, which made my life second act far better than I could have imagined. with almost no money. I had the idea to open a hardware store, a lumber yard, and a garden store all in one. What began as a single store in Georgia grew to more than two thousand locations nationwide and made me a billionaire in the process. Only in a member, only in America, could a member of an ethnic minority from a poor immigrant family write that kind of success story. But he says uh, the financial rewards pale in comparison to the emotional rewards of seeing my company help others become financially independent through entrepreneurship. Home Depot democratized the home improvement landscaping and building train so that anyone willing to work up a sweat and learn some basic skills could immediately start a sole proprietorship or a small business serving some of the nation's 80 million homeowners. Or just do home improvements yourself and save some money in the process, right? You can see entrepreneurs driving around town in their trucks full of tools and material. Many of them are minorities. They don't consider themselves victims of racial wealth or income gaps. They're actively overcoming economic disparities through work. And he goes on to contrast that uh, with the direction government is moving, which is in, in the direction of, hurtling, uh, of, uh, of uh, erecting hurdles to entrepreneurship, uh, saying, as we talked about per his comments in the interview he gave last week, that if he started Home Depot today, it wouldn't have been – he doesn't believe it would have grown to 2,000 stores. It maybe would have been a couple, few stores. And think how many fewer people would have been served, how many fewer people would have achieved financial independence as compared to the numbers that were served that did achieve financial independence because of Bernie Marcus's – Simple, but elegant idea and is willing to be a productive risk taker at 49 years old. For For more on this in the context of we have to go back to government because we're going to talk about the Fed and markets. Pleased to be joined by Jim Perry, our friend who uh, has a new title, founder, CEO of Perry International Capital Partners. Speaking of entrepreneurship, no longer working for the man. Jim Perry's gone to work for himself. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
8: Thank you, Dan. I appreciate you having me this morning.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, just uh, before we get into, you know, charts and graphs and and the pronouncements of Fed governors, um, just a perspective as somebody who follows all of these entrepreneurs and their effective work product, the companies that they start or build, um, your reflections on what Bernie Marcus has been saying of late, it seems like he's... You know, he's 93 years old, so I'm sure he feels like he's on the clock and he wants to deliver some wisdom in the face of what he sees as a lot of ignorant public policy.
8: Yeah, I mean, you know, small businesses and entrepreneurship are really the lifeblood of this country. It's what made this country what it is. Uh, There's more freedom to to start things in this country than really any other region in the world. And uh, he's absolutely right. The rewards uh, financially are certainly part of it, but the bigger reward is the emotional and spiritual, uh, constructive, uh, ongoing life lessons of, of creating something that, that, that makes the world a better place for the people that work for you and, and your customers. So I, I'm a big fan.
0: Plus it keeps a lot of guys out of the gin mills and gambling halls too. I got to work. I got stuff I got to do. I got to accomplish productive things, you know?
8: Right. Well, that kind of dovetails into what's going on here. This pandemic has been pretty crazy. There's uh, something like four and a half million fewer workers today than there were before the pandemic. So a lot of people have left the workforce. Mm -hmm.
0: So um, the market was uh, booming yesterday for a portion of the day, and then a Fed governor said, uh, uh, don't. Uh, put on the party hats quite yet because we still need to attack this inflation monster so expect the Fed to stay the course in the face of that December jobs number that was surprisingly good um, so I mean which I, which shouldn't come as a surprise it seemed to but um, that, that's where we're at we're still tracking for uh, Jay Powell to continue hiking rates through the first quarter right
8: yeah that's right I mean um, I suppose one quick sentence you know to set the tone for the year for your listeners and investors everywhere, you know, 2023 is going to be about the potential for a deceleration of inflation. Um, It's going to be about the terminal level of funding rates, the longevity of restrictive policy and the ultimate impact really uh, uh, of the end of stimulative stimulative policy on the economy and markets. Um, And really, you know, the primary macroeconomic focus is the Fed's efforts to control the inflation that they themselves created.
0: <laughs> well, well and, and so you also have this, um, you know, again, this sort of every everything becomes government centric necessarily when the government expands itself into all nooks and crannies of people's lives. So, you know, on the one hand, we were told uh, to not be concerned about um uh inflated earnings while the fed was doing all its asset purchases through a decade of quantitative easing and now we're told hey ratchet down your expectations with respect to earnings don't don't be too uh, uh taken aback if uh earnings don't meet expectations as earnings reports come out
8: yeah that's right i mean earnings reports start Friday with the big banks and uh... United Healthcare, one of the big stocks in the, in the Dow. Um, the Fed's inflation fighting regime, which was initiated last March, is definitely going to slow the economy down. Um, the Fed's playbook calls for reversing inflation by crushing demand, right? Um, the target goal for the Fed is low and stable inflation. I guess, definitionally, that's something like a 2% growth rate in what they call the personal consumer expenditures, PCE. Uh, but the question is, you know, what, what's going to be the cost of, of this sort of reversal of stimulus uh, on the economy and markets? And, and just looking at the math, you know, profit margins are going to come down because uh, the cost of money is going up.
2: And a uh, lot of Americans are getting their Christmas credit card bills in the mail right now. And uh, having a little bit of sticker shock.
8: Yeah, I mean, this happens every January. You know, you tend to get the slowest GDP growth of the year after the Christmas holiday season and and consumer spending season. It's the largest retail sales month of the year. And uh, it was negative, you know. I mean, it's... The December numbers are really important. That's why the non-farm payroll number last Friday was important because it kind of sets the tone for the year. And, uh, you know, savings rates are at generational lows mm-hmm. and credit exposure at the at the household level is at record highs. It's running, you know, $400 billion higher this January than it was last January. That's an enormous number, you know.
0: So at the household level last year the average american lost 5% in terms of purchasing power because of inflation wages not keeping up with inflation. Yeah uh, sir. That that uh that gap may narrow for those who remain employed but there's a lot more people who are going to be dislodged from their jobs as we're uh you know getting the signals from a lot of big companies that layoffs are in the offing. And uh yeah. and, and and they also lost the about $30,000 in their uh out of their 401k and so thirty thousand dollars in savings so um what should what should, what should we think about the market equities in particular is this a, a good place to go in uh, despite the prospect of a recession uh that's uh despite uh, the fed continuing to tighten up and and attack people's brokerage accounts we should right. we should be in we 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 see a market that's going to tick up, or what do we see?
8: Well, you know, it's the market, the stock market looks six months ahead, you know, and the bond market kind of is in the present, as is the FX market, and the stock market has a, is, is a bit of a reflection of, of of human confidence and optimism, you know, people their own businesses you know i had an interview with a guy yesterday that says you know i love the stock market but i am never going to make as much money in the stock market as i do my own business you know this is an entrepreneur this is a guy that owns his own business right and i think that right now the tone is that you know the fed speak is definitely hawkish i'm not sure they believe it or how long they're going to stay with it but the fact is that the stock market has had 10, 11, 12 different days in the last 12 months where it went up 700 points in a day like it did last Friday, right? So this is not unusual to see big upswings in the stock market. And the main reason for that is that financial conditions really are still quite stimulative, you know? I mean, you look at at China and Japan, these economies, the central banks there, they're pumping money into their economies faster now than they did in 2020 right so the chinese are doing it to protect the property market and the japanese are doing it because they want to inflate their economy and they're able to do that for the first time in 30 years and they secretly they probably thrilled that the japanese economy is actually inflating a little bit so financial conditions are, are easy um and i think that if you listen to Powell, and he's speaking in Stockholm today, uh, funny enough about central bank independence, but, you know, the Fed funds rate is at 4.5%, and inflation, we'll get more information about that on Friday with the CPI report, but, you know, the last print was 7.1%. So what that tells you is that the real Fed funds rate is still negative, you know, 2 3%. So financial conditions are still very stimulative in this country Um, And this is, you know, the Fed's balance sheet is still almost $9 trillion, and the $5 trillion that the Biden administration printed and put right into the economy, that money is still floating around in the financial system. So it's not a done deal that the the stock market necessarily has to go down another 20%, like some people say. But I I have a hard time figuring out, you know, what's going to be the organic driver of of higher prices. I mean, the stock market, the S&P is selling it. 17 times forward earnings, right? That's above average over the last 10 years, right? When we have recession, that forward PE multiple, 10 times earnings is not unusual in a recession. We're at 17, right? And sometimes it goes down to eight. So there's a lot of risk in the market. Um, And I kind of think, I've been telling my clients that be patient. Be happy to buy a Treasury bill that gives you 4.8 percent as a guaranteed return in six months and wait for some of the dust to settle to see how China's reopening is going to play out and how restrictive policy is going to play out to the economy and the unemployment rate.
0: That sounds like sensible advice to me. I think I'm going to take it. Uh, Jim Perry, founder, uh, CIO of Perry International Capital Partners, LLC. James, thanks as always. Appreciate it.
8: Dan, thank you very much for having
1: me. Have a good
2: day. Thanks. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro Answer line.
1: There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one, Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer.
0: Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank.